Welcome back to the Rockcast, brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps and Rockslide.com. Jordan here. And we're, for this episode, we're going to talk to one of my buddies, Dalton Wilco in Nebraska. And he has Wilco Mounting. And we're going to talk about uh, European mounts, how to do your own, some tips, um, how to take care of velvet in, a little bit in the field. And then as well as if you just want to do a velvet European mount, a little bit of how to do that. So that is coming right up. Um, first, before I do that, I'm going to dip into a couple of question and answers that I just pulled off of Instagram today. And I like running these things. They're, they're fun to answer. Um, okay, so first one, best tip for better glassing other than the brand of optic that you're using. Um, I think the big one that's, that's often said is a tripod. Put your binoculars on a tripod. Um, a lot of times, you know, we'll get questions that's like, hey, I have these binoculars and I want like, you know, a really compact, lightweight spotting scope to take with me to where like you can steady things up a bit and look at a little bit further dif- distances. And uh, one thing that I often hear like the answer of two of that and I do agree with is like, you put your binoculars on a tripod it it just steadies them up so much that it almost does the same thing as a spotting scope just as far as just having that optic on a tripod and really getting rid of the shake and clearing things up so that's probably one that I would say for like beginner to expert glassers like put your binoculars on a tripod. Use a tripod and yeah, that's probably that's probably one of my my better ones as far as equipment goes. Um and then I think be diligent behind the glass um and be patient. Uh don't just like stop, you know, throw your glasses on a tripod for like 10 minutes and scan things and then move on. Um, I'd say be very deliberate. Like if you're glassing somewhere with deer beds, try to get somewhere where the, like where the sun is casting shadows on the trees, try to get to a spot where you can look into the shadows on those trees. Cause that's where the deer are going to be bedded. Um, you know, that could go, you know, for elk, elk are easier to spot up just in general usually, but um, anyways, that's what I have to say there. Be, uh, be very diligent and intentional on your glassing. Throw that thing on a spotting scope. Okay. Um, and then the next one and the last one, I suppose, uh, best, a cold season sleeping pad. So there are a lot of sleeping pads out there and a lot of different price points, a lot of different weights. And, you know, you can look at, Let's see, you can look at a a $50 sleeping pad and you can look at a $200 sleeping pad. They look the same and you're like, what's the difference? Well, the the big thing you want to look at as far as cold weather goes is your R value. That's your insulating value. Um, I would say you want to stay over a four for a cold season. Um, I've got a 4.2, which is a Nemo. And then I have an XPED that is like a four, I think it's a 4.8, but there are a lot of sleeping pads out there. And that's the, the one thing you really want to pay attention to 
is that R value, making sure you're you're in the fours somewhere, hopefully the higher fours for like a true winter in wintering sleeping pad, maybe even into the fives. Um, but the one that that I've been using a bunch is the XPED. I think it's SL5. It has um, like vertical baffles. So basically those are when you look at a sleeping pad on the top of it, it looks, you know, if it looks like it has these like ridges, like cylinder ridges that run down the whole pad, those are uh, vertical baffles. I'm pretty sure they call them vertical baffles. Um, they also have horizontal baffles, which run, um, you know, they look like the same pipe type things, but they run sideways down the pad. Then they also have quilted, and I'm not sure if those are technically like quilted baffles or if it's just, I think it's just a quilted design like on top, um, on top of the pad. And all that plays into comfort in my mind. So I run an XPED SL, I think it's SL5. They have uh, vertical baffles. They're super comfortable for me. Um, I'm a side sleeper, so I like a thick pad. I think it's like four and a half inches thick is is what mine is and there are a lot of them out there that are just as thick as that and then there you know is like less thick ones um I would say if you're just like a back sleeper then you don't maybe you won't notice as much uh comfort difference in the really thick pads as the less thick ones but uh I like a thick cushy pad and it's really good for side sleeping and I move all over the place when I'm sleeping at night. So, uh, that one has been, uh, that one's been really good. I got the, the wide versions just to take over, uh, take over a pound and it's been, been a great pad. So looking forward to using it the rest of this year. So that pretty much wraps us for, that does wrap us for the questions. And with that, we're going to dive into my buddy Dalton, um, little backstory. We went to high school together. Uh, we grew up together doing 4-H and all those things. And now he uh, does a lot of things, but uh, he's a guide for one of those. And then he also um, is doing his taxidermy, which I believe right now is still just the European mounts, but he's wealth of information and we're going to dive in and talk to him right now. Thanks for letting us come into your basement Dalton <laughs> yeah you bet <laughs> all right so you do um you do you've done all my European mounts I think and then and yeah and they all have been super awesome um so like going kind of why did you start doing it do you just like it yeah I just I like the deer and being around them and stuff and then I've always wanted to get into shoulder mounts and thought it was a cheaper kind of more streamlined way of getting into that business and still haven't done it yet, but that's the plan in the future. Mm -hmm. Sweet. So like, I know you boil when you do your euros, you boil them instead of, and then people do beetles. Is there a reason that you went with boiling instead of beetles? I did it because I've heard the beetles stink and they're kind of hard to keep alive. If you let them get too hot, they'll fly away. If you let them get too cold, they'll die or go dormant. And I just didn't have a place to put them. Um, I, in the future, I wouldn't mind having some just for when I'm not so busy, I can throw something in there and it can kind of clean while I'm off doing other things. But, but, uh, yeah, the boiling just 
seemed a lot lot easier for me in my setup. Mm-hmm. And like anybody could boil. I mean, anybody could do it, right? Like do oh, a yeah. euro mount. Yeah. I mean, it just yeah, it probably depends how much you want to put up with. Like as far as the smell and yeah, yeah. Nothing I have is anything special other than a camp chef cook stove kind of a deal. And uh, I guess I did have a big pot custom made but that's not that's just for me when i'm doing a lot at one time nothing nothing special how big a one how big a pot do you need so on a deer like uh i don't know like a three and a half gallon is plenty big um an elk you get into those and i would say you know a five gallon bucket size pot would probably get you by um the first few elk i ever did i used a keg cut the top of a keg off <laughs> and use that which was kind of sketchy the way it sat on the burners but it worked yeah it worked dang okay so you use like the like the camp chef burner right and then yep. just your own pot on top of it yep and i then, have a double yeah. burner camp chef and then i had a pot made to sit over it like the cast iron griddle mm-hmm. wood that you can buy from them basically the same mounts and then just built a big pot off the top of that. Mm-hmm. What knives do you use to cape them out? So here at home, I use the um, just a Havilon um, scalpel, um, basically like a surgical scalpel with twenty number twenty blades. If I'm out in the field, I use like the um, Outdoor Edge replaceable, and I started using those because I can sharpen them, resharpen mm-hmm. the blades mm-hmm. with my work sharp like mm, belt yeah. sharpener so they you know doesn't get them as good as they first were but definitely get some life out of them mm-hmm. yeah so i kind of just wing it as far as what i put in the water i mean i always put so it's always just water um 20 mule team borax which is like an old kind of an old school laundry detergent basically which is pretty easy to find and super cheap and then um, Dawn dish soap or any kind of degreaser dish soap, anything like that. Hmm. Is there, is there any other prep you do to them before you put them in there? So I always, always take the eyes out of the skull. That's for me, that's like one of the major things. If I don't, for some reason, if they get frozen and I don't get to it or they're stinking too bad, I just want to get them kind of starting cleaned up. But those eyes will get, they're so like, tendony and fatty that they will get so tight inside the eye socket that they're hard to get out and then they're very hot so you try to stick your fingers in there and pull them out and and they will burn you but uh other than that pretty much i just try to get all the hair off which isn't even a necessity it just keeps things a lot cleaner and then any meat that i can just whack off you know easily um that i don't have to take off later when it's hot Mm mm-hmm do you have to put anything do you put anything around the antlers like the bases of them um not when i'm boiling uh some guys i've seen videos of that they'll boil with um like oxyclean and um some more like harsher chemicals and they have to wrap the horns because that will take the color of the horn off but the way i do it i just i mean i'll throw the whole if i have a huge pot i'm doing some elk and some deer at the same time you know there might be a deer that's the horns and all is completely in the water and I've never had any trouble with, with, um, whitening up or anything like that. So this is, I don't know. My, this is like off 
not really off topic question, but like for sheds, if you were to find a shed that was really bleached out, but you, you know, you found both of them wanted to put them like on a, you know, a Euro mount or whatever. Um, what do you use to like, can you, I don't know, like varnish the antlers to bring them back to color instead it, of. Yeah. White? Um, the best thing that I found and I guess the listeners can't see it, but, um, that deer there and this one here were both um, white um, when I got them. And um, what I found, I've heard of a lot of guys trying to like dye them with tea and coffee and things like that. And they get a real yellow color to them. What I use is um, water-based paint. So I'll mix up a color that I kind of like, um, just a cheap, like a Walmart, those little plastic, you know, mm -hmm. two ounce deals of paint. Mix those, get a color I like, and I paint the whole horn so it's a solid brown. And that paint gets real dry and crumbly. And then I'll take like steel wool and just start scratching it. And it'll bring out, I mean, basically, you know, the deer's horns all kind of one color when it gets the velvet off. And they make the color by scratching on trees. And that steel wool will just kind of like bring, you know, it'll leave the paint in the deep spots where the horns were darker and, mm -hmm. and lighten up the tips and stuff. Season is finally here, everybody. And let this be your reminder to make sure to download all of your Onyx hunt maps into offline mode before you head out into the field and lose service. And if you don't have Onyx hunt maps yet, go to Onyx maps forward slash hunt and use code rockcast at checkout. You'll get 20% off. Go on, download the app, and you're just gonna have a, a mapping app that is right at your fingertips. Definitely helps with uh, decision making and certainly helps with dropping pins and just keeping things organized. So it is a great tool in the backcountry. I don't think anybody can dispute that. Go to onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt to check it out. There are a few things that I love more than waking up on the crisp September mornings and glassing for bucks, listening for bugles, and just enjoying my time out in the field. And I really do think that that is enhanced by some good coffee. My go-to is Black Rifle Coffee's Instant Coffee Packs. Uh, they're small little packet sticks. They dissolve right into the water. You're not chewing on any grounds or any crazy things like that. They taste great, and they're great for mornings, of course, and then also a midday pick-me-up, which I really do enjoy. So go to blackriflecoffee.com. If you use code ROCKSLIDE with your order, you will receive 20% off. Go check it out. If you're anything like me, uh, you're always trying new gear stuff. Doesn't matter what time of year it is, even if it's in the middle of September, you're swapping things around. A great way to save some cash on that is actually to get cash back over just saving money at a sale or something. And with ActiveJunkie.com, you can do that. So go to ActiveJunkie.com forward slash rockslide. It's going to give you access to some of the favorite outdoor and hunting brands. But overall, on the Active Junkie website, they have 1,500 brands and retailers. Basically, what they're doing is they're giving you cash back for clicking through to the brand or retailer you want to purchase through, through their website. So let's say you want a new sleeping pad. Yours went flat. You want to do that through Shields. Go to ActiveJunkie.com. Go to the Shields logo. Click on it. It's going to take you to the Shields website. You're going to purchase your new sleeping pad. Shields is going to ship that to you. And then Active Junkie is going to give you cash back up to 20% cash back 
for that purchase. So it's a great way to stack on with sales that the brand retailer is already doing and then get some cash back on the back end. So it's a great way to purchase gear. Check out activejunkie.com forward slash rock slide for more info. So this September, I think everybody can agree, has been absolutely hotter than hell so far and got me thinking it's really important to have good clothing to keep you cool, comfortable, and deadly, really. Um, Firstlight.com has you covered on that. They have everything you could ever need from early to the late season. This September, I have been rocking the Wick t-shirt a whole bunch. Um, Super comfortable t-shirt. I also love the Wick hoodie version of that. And for pants, I've just been using my like one pant to do it all in pretty much all the seasons, the Corgit Foundry Pant. You get a knee pad option. You can take them out if you don't like them. They have giant hip vents, which are you know key for uh, ventilation. And then the material is heavy enough that it'll take you all the way through the late season. You can find all of that and tons more at firstlight.com. After I get all the skin, meat, the eyes out, um, leave everything else kind of attached. I don't, you know, have any other things as far as cutting meat off of the head. Um, go into the boil, and then I usually boil until like the the layer of I guess you'd call it flesh on the skull, right down the middle in between the horns, starts to split, and then I'll take it out and just a power washer. Just power wash, power wash until you think you got everything and then um, that you can get, throw it back in the boil. And that usually gets, you know, like the the roof of the mouth off, the inside of the nose is out, things like that. And then it's just left to pretty much back in the back of their head or the tendon that holds their head up and and different things like that, that those are really stuck. Um, That second kind of round of boiling kind of gets those off. And then just uh kind of boil it until everything looks like it's kind of gelatinized and and fallen off itself and just power wash until you're blue in the face i mean you, there's just stuff that, there's stuff inside there you wouldn't even think is in there and and a big thing to remember that i learned from a guy is clean is white so if there's something back there you can't see or you didn't get you can get that skull white, but eventually it's going to leak its oils and everything out and it's going to turn that skull yellow. So from there and then in the wintertime, we can't so much around here, but um, if I can, I'll leave them out in the sunlight to dry. Just seems to help if they come inside and and uh, they sit, you know, and dry kind of on their own. It just seems like it doesn't whiten as good because... Um, just not as fast there's just more moisture sitting on the head stuff like that and then um from there i mix up my whiteners um, which is uh a 40 volume powder developer they call it Uh, i get everything at sally beauty with my wife loves because i'm a (laughs) member's perk spend a lot of money there get some free stuff um a 40 volume clear developer and a 40 volume um, cream developer, they call it, and just mix kind of a consistency to toothpaste, mix those up and there's no rhyme or reason. I just dump powder and the cream and the clear kind of all together until I get what I like. And then, um, paint that on the head with like a brush, just a two inch paint, paint brush. And from there, 
I just started doing this two years ago. Um, and I'll wrap, I'll wrap the head in a, in a trash bag. And for some reason, I guess it just, that it doesn't let that dry on the head. It kind of keeps everything moist and just makes those, um, chemicals work a lot faster. I used to have to paint that on, you know, three or four different times for one deer and then wash it off, let it dry, paint it back on, wash it off, kind of keep going like that. Now, um, if I have to wash it off and put it back on twice, it's, you know, it's not a very good deer. Maybe something was wrong with it before I got it, got too dry or something. Mm -hmm. Could you overboil one? You can, I, I guess, yeah. Boiling is kind of a sensitive term because I don't ever bring mine to a boil. Oh, that's you know, they, they call it, I guess you could say I'm a simmerer <laughs> because, uh, and, and part of the reason is, you know, my big pot when I'm doing 20 or 30 deer heads at a time, I can't get all that water to boil. It's yeah. just too much water. And that's actually a good thing. You can get it too hot and I've never done it. I've learned from some other guys, um, failures as if they get it too hot and there's some blood in the head, it can stain the bone. Um, for whatever reason, the, the blood mm -hmm. can get too hot, kind of, I don't know if it etches itself in there, you know, whatever, but it'll leave, mm -hmm. you can see the black lines through the head where veins were if it gets too hot. Oh, geez. Can you, can like teeth fall out? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's one thing to be really careful with when you're boiling and power washing. You know, the first few I ever did, I didn't use a power washer, just grab and pull and grab and pull and cut with your hands and, mm -hmm. and, uh, that just took way too long, but you knew where everything was with a power washer. You just got to be real careful around teeth. Um, cause if one comes out, it might send it a long ways. Yeah. Um, so I know, um, I've never done it. I've seen a few guys that'll set up like a, on a pallet or something, make like a makeshift screen, um, mm -hmm. out of a, you know, a screen door screen and just something to catch anything that might come off. But I don't do that. I just kind of, you know, if I see one come out, I pick it up right away, you know, put a piece of tape on it with, you know, um, whoever's deer it is and make sure that that tooth gets back in the right deer. Hmm. Kind of after that, is it, is it done once you put the, you know, the trash bag over it? Yeah. Once you put the trash bag over it, um, then I let it sit for about 24 hours. Uh, sometimes, I mean, and, and there's no, the stuff that I use doesn't ever hurt the bone. There's no, um, you know, risk of it eating into the bone at all. It, it'll just, you know, you can leave it on for 48 hours a week, whatever. Sometimes I'll get busy and I'll leave one that's, that's wrapped up and don't get to it and it doesn't hurt it. Um, but when I'm doing a lot of heads, you know, time is crucial kind yeah. of just getting things out and getting them done uh i try to leave it on for 24 hours and then um i've started to power wash the whitener back off for no other reason than it just it gets it off faster and the head doesn't have time you know i used to put it in like a five gallon bucket and scrub it off and then that just takes longer that bone soaks in more water takes longer to dry and takes longer to get white so just using the power washer, you can get it off of the head without getting the head too wet. Okay. And like when you first wash it off, a lot of guys are worried because it's not white and it won't be until that head gets dry. Is, so is that whitener stuff? Is that like a bleach? Is that? 
Yeah, uh, basically, if you wanted to go down to uh, Rush Creek Roots here in town <laughs> and get your hair bleached white, that's uh-huh. the same stuff they'd use. Oh, really? Yep, okay. Yep. And I've never been able to get my hands on it. Uh, if you have your, I guess, hairdresser's license or something, you can get 50 volume, which I've heard um, some guys have got their hands on and it works way better. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't like to give that out to just every stranger that walks in the door. Yeah, makes sense. I know some of the euros that I've been around like a month after they're done or so, or even like a couple of weeks, especially if it's warm, they'll get kind of a smell to it. Is that just... Yeah, that could be, you know, there's like on a deer, an elk especially, and like a longhorn or anything big, there's some huge kind of cavities back behind the teeth that uh, sometimes if I feel like I have to, I'll break kind of the back of the head open um, back in there to get some of that stuff out. And that could be just some of that um, stuff that's, you know, didn't get out that mm-hmm. that's maybe um, had a little moisture to it or something and, and just hasn't completely dried out yet. I mm-hmm. mean, if as long as it's not meat or something that's like rotting, yeah. it should. I mean, I, it, I know what you're talking about. It has kind of a weird smell to it. It should dry up and never have a problem with it. You know, like you'll see... Um, the nose septum, basically like the nasal, um, it's, it's bone, but it's almost like cartilage in, in these deer here and, and most European mounts. A lot of guys take those out, you know, they, they break mm-hmm. them out. They take forceps and pull everything out. And I'll do that if I have to, if I can't get something out of there, but that might be something too, that it's just hung up back in one of those and it's either break it and, uh, you know, that's the product you get or kind of take the chance and it might have a little smell to it. But that's something I, I try to leave them in. If they fall out, then I'll, I'll leave them out. But yeah. 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 And I've heard, um, some guys put like mop and glow on their heads Mm. after they done, after they're done. And I just, every time I've ever tried to like clean the skull itself with any kind of oil or anything, it just ruins it. Um, so I try to, you know, tell people just keep it dry, um, you know, dust it if you need to or something like that. And then when I clean the horns, um, I always hold them upside down and use like a pledge or something to kind of shine mm. the horns up. But I always make sure to keep it upside down so that none of that gets down on the skull. But mm-hmm. that's something, you know, I mean, depending if you want to risk putting some oil on the head and make it smell like uh, mop and glow. It's some people do it. I've never done it. I've just, it worries me. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that's what you told me to do is just like flip them and do pledge and then just like dish soap, right. To just clean some yeah. of the stuff off. Yep. If some of the stuff's off and I, and I, I try to do that a lot of the times by the time I get deer in and done, it's freezing outside and, yeah. and cleaning them with water outside doesn't work very good <laughs> sometimes, but so I kind of stick to the pledge and, and mm-hmm. get stuff off like that. Cool. Well, I know like you've done, well, we're looking at one now, like you've worked with velvet a little bit. Is there anything like in the field to do that uh, will preserve it? Yeah. Um, one thing you can do is take your knife and just cut the very tips of the horns. Not a, not a slice, just kind of poke the very tip and hang that head upside down and just hope mm. that some blood gets out of there. Um, the main thing you want to do is just get all the blood out of the horns and and you can see the veins, Mm -hmm. um, in kind of in the velvet and you want to get, 
get that blood out of there. Uh, one thing that I used on the, on these heads here was it's uh, it's just called uh, velvet velvet tan. I think it you can get it at like McKinsey Taxidermy or Van Dyke's Taxidermy Supply. Comes in a I don't know a sixteen ounce bottle, <clears throat> and uh, what you can do with that is you you cut that tip of the horn and then take a you know just a syringe full of that stuff and you can inject it into that vein and just push that blood out with that um, tanning mm. solution until the only thing that's coming out of the top of the horn is tanning solution, kind of clean the blood out. Um, I guess I don't want to pack anything yeah. extra like that around, but if you had it at the truck or if you had somebody else with you that could carry an extra 16 ounces and an mm -hmm. 18 gauge needle and a syringe, it might be worth it. Um, but you know, there's like things like that you can do after you get the blood out of the horns, you take that same solution and just paint it on the velvet, um, mm. coat the velvet good and then hang it for like five days and then just keep doing that until you're satisfied and, and it'll tan, tan mm -hmm. that stuff on the horns. Um, there definitely is options. Taxidermists can put fake velvet on horns. Oh. Um, if something happens or. Maybe you busted a tine or it fell and mm -hmm. busted a bunch of velvet off. You can do that. I don't know what that costs and it doesn't look, you know, I mean, it looks yeah. real fluffy and cool, but not really natural. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, I guess just keeping those horns cool is just like the meat. Um, just keeping them cool is going to help a lot. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say was it's probably... I mean, it's just, it's blood. So it's just like meat. You got to treat it just like meat. Like don't just leave it in the sun. Yep. Treat it like meat. Try to keep it as cool as you can. Yep. And it might be taboo um, to some people. I know uh, certain, certain states you can't take the horns out until the meat is out. You know, if, I guess if you were, if it was a mule deer, you were coming out in one trip, that's not, you know, yeah. a big deal. But if you were... You know, like an elk, if you had two guys and you're going to have to go back, maybe it might be worth it. If it's full velvet and good, it might be worth it to get it to the truck mm -hmm. on the first load. Um, some guys are going to gripe and complain over that. But, you know, that's part of your trophy, too. So how do you like when you do the boiling process, how do you keep the velvet out of the boil or does it matter? Yeah. So that in that situation, it does really matter. Um any kind of heat to that velvet's going to make it strip just like a hide would. Mm -hmm. So what I did with this one here is wrapped it. Um, first I put uh, tape the sticky side out. So there wasn't any adhesive on the velvet and just kind of made a few tight wraps around the pedicles just to kind of give a base to put other tape on um, mm. just electric tape. So I could kind of stretch it and almost make it watertight. And then I wrapped plenty of the horn kind of all the way up to like the first forks um with tin foil mm. and and a lot of tape just made it real tight and made sure that no water was getting into that and actually on this deer here um and any velvet deer that i'll probably do i i just you know i'll kind of keep them separate in the boil so that i'm not just dumping them in the pot with all the other deer i kind of you know i might put them on a separate burner um, with mm -hmm. a pot that I can just fill to the top of the head, just kind of keep, keep things, keep water and everything away from those. Hmm. And then 
after i know you said this one like if you take a hair dryer to it it'll yep. it kind of gets matted down if it gets wet yep a uh, hair dryer or um an air compressor uh with a you know a blowing chuck on it but the you know the air compressor i think depending on what which one you were using might be a little harsh on it i know mm -hmm. it's you know even though it's tanned and it's good to go i just worry it's a little delicate so i would you know kind of stick to the hair dryer and maybe uh like a soft um kind of short bristled paintbrush mm -hmm. uh, obviously with nothing on it and just kind of brush it up kind of try to fluff it up as good as you can hmm. what mounts do you like for your euro mounts like wall mount um, I use the skull hooker. Mm -hmm. uh, as you can see, I don't know how I got not quite a dozen, I guess, on the wall here. All with, well, I guess, a half a dozen here on the wall with skull hookers. I got a longhorn um, steer upstairs that I put on one, and they're just solid. Mm -hmm. And these deer here, I kind of, I kind of didn't know how I wanted them to go on the wall, and you can just the adjustability of it you can kind of make them look how you mm -hmm. want to look and kind of fit them on the wall and they've been really good um with the price of them some people you know that i do a lot of european mounts for you know kids first deer or just you know a guy says ah it wasn't that good but i mm -hmm. want to do something with it you know and they don't want to spend i think they're 35 40 bucks for a skull hooker they think that you know that's over the uh -huh. top so I put a lot of them on wood. I think I've put a couple on yeah, wood you for have. you. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's just cheaper, but but uh, there's only so many ways you can put them on wood and make yeah. it look kind of right. Uh, skull hooker, you can tip them, turn them, make them kind of show themselves off. Mm -hmm. I do have a Facebook page. It's kind of my main European um, mount page mm -hmm. that I kind of keep keep everything on and that is just walco mounting all right hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot um dalton is a wealth of information on doing european mounts and such and it was great to sit down and talk to him uh you can find him around the area of rushville nebraska where i grew up where he lives and that is about 30 minutes east of the shattern area so around the national forest where uh, plenty of folks do uh, like public land hunting in Nebraska and just around that area. You can also ship your mounts to Dalton and he will mount them for you and then or do the European mount and then he will send them back to you. So uh, go check him out on the Facebook page like he said at Wilco Mounting and then also on his Instagram at Dalton.Wilco.Hunter. So with that, uh, I'm going to sign off of the podcast and we'll see you guys around the field. Hope you have a great season.